Hey everyone, before we get started today, I want to give you all a little bit of a informative update. So today's guest is Anthony Cole. He is the person who actually encouraged me to start this podcast um, back in December of 2021. And so back then we actually got together and did a bit of a tech test together in which we record ourselves having a conversation about his history and love of cartoons while playing a video game. I have taken that video recording that we had and kind of cut out some of the best bits that worked with all of the audio hiccups that we had. Again, it was a tech test and uh, put it together. So you can find this episode zero on slyhistory.com as well as the Sly History YouTube channel, both of which will be linked in the description of this podcast below. So uh, after you listen to this, head on over and take a listen to that supplement. I think that's good for me anyway. It's just having something yeah. to keep me busy. <laughs> right. Are, are you able to do, uh, I know you go in for some things, but is any of it like you working from home and stuff in your little studio there? Um, usually this is reserved for just studying and, and practicing on my own. Uh, I know last semester, semester before, I mean, obviously when COVID was in its heyday, I suppose, is when I did most of the online stuff and to me personally that was more it was miserable honestly <laughs> trying yeah, to it, do it's not for music everyone. yeah trying to do music classes online is i do not recommend it uh, you just need that tactile and in-person one-on-one environment yeah good i just feel like every single time i get on a video call with you something has like upgraded in your little studio here (laughs) (laughs) every single time i'm like yep that i'm pretty sure your piano changed at one point uh yeah so the lagrima is over in that corner now um and then this is the yamaha yeah and i know your mic changed probably twice yeah so the old mic is is here yeah and then this is the Aston Spirit mm-hmm. that I got, but mainly it's for recording and things like that. So whenever I get time to actually build my portfolio, yeah, I'll be able to. I just know next time I have to worry about it. I hop on a call with you. I'm just going to see paneling all behind you. <laughs> I actually do need to get acoustic paneling. Yeah, but I want to wait until I move into a bigger place, mainly because well, for the pricier acoustic panning i should say right um i'll just get some diy stuff for this room but yeah yeah are you gonna once go? i can officially have an uh, an official studio studio yeah then it'll be much better are you gonna go for actual uh like the the large rectangular paneling or are you just gonna do some some foam stuff oh no no i'll probably do the foam stuff for this one mm-hmm. but for like the actual studio yeah i'll have to I have to go for the big rectangle planning paneling. Yeah. But they also have a lot of DIY of that rectangle paneling that works pretty much just as, just as good. If in some cases not better. Yeah. And I'm thinking about doing that, especially since I'm like right down the road from home Depot and stuff, I can just build that and then handle it that way. I watched when I was trying to work on my sound, like I was telling you about uh, with my little space here, I was, I looked into a little bit of it all and learned a lot about 
the type of sound dampening that there is. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll get something. That's why I try to just remodel my desk, see if that helps. So I don't have to put any panels up because, you know, you can go and get some pretty inexpensive, the you know, the foam panels, but it's either like you pay a lot for a package of like two or three, or you pay very mm-hmm. little and they give you like 36. And I'm like, I need it. I need a middle ground. <laughs> need a middle ground. Oh yeah. <laughs> I only need like maybe four. I'm in a very small space and it's just directly in front of me. That's the problem. That's it. I don't. <laughs> the best we can do is 62. Yeah. We'll bring a pallet to your door. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but they're only like half an inch thick. So they're not going to do a thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> You've got to put three of them together for them to be one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a problem. That's funny. So uh, thank you for, for uh, agreeing to do this. I knew for a while of that, course. you know, for a while that we've probably talked again. You were the like inspiration to kick me into gear to actually do this thing well, <laughs> when course, you wanted to do it. Especially <laughs> how like I saw you just the way you gravitated towards it and just the way I could tell your mind was working on it. I was like, oh, yeah, just just do it because. Well, that so that's the thing, like I with all of the projects I do, right, like all the writing, all the this and like more things that are in my head they're there for years, you know, like oh yeah, literally a decade, over a decade. And when you were, when you mentioned like you wanted to start trying to think of something to like record or stream or whatever, I was like, Hey, here's like six ideas I've had in the past for a few <laughs> years. Take one of these. I think you could do it. You could do great. And you're like, no, dude, that's not me. Those are you like you. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then we did it the the like tech test at first when I mm-hmm. thought I wanted to do a, a Twitch stream, which I recently shared the kind of edited down video with you. Mm-hmm. Like that's when it really like changed because the idea I was originally going with was the idea of playing games with people while doing one thing, just talking about general history, mm-hmm. and then you and me talked about such specific and personal history that it was such an engaging conversation for me that I was like. Yeah, I probably should grab the other idea that I threw at Cole of like talking to people <laughs> about their their lives, and that is way more interesting to do. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the it's the royal history. <laughs> yeah, the royal history. Yeah, and so what we talked about that day was cartoons, and yes. well, that's what we meant to talk about. Man, we talked about so much more <laughs> in that, which is what surprised me, right? Like you talk about one small topic, and it keep if it has enough of an impact on your life, it keeps branching off into like other things. Oh yeah. And, uh, in the end you recommended five cartoons to me in the order of, uh, uh, chowder, Mm -hmm. Steven universe, regular show, gumball and teen Titans, the original. Yes. And the only one of those that I'd never heard of before was chowder. That was brand new to me. So I thought it'd be interesting to start with at least my thoughts on that, because then we can do like a cartoons kind of revisited because I know every time, your cartoon knowledge is vastly bigger <laughs> than mine. Like when we were talking about it in the first one, you know, like you, th- you and me through all of elementary school. Yeah. We're right on track. And then in middle school, it you kept watching cartoons. drastically split. <laughs> yeah. And I split, but yeah. So before I start, I'm curious what, uh, with chowder, why you recommended that one over others. I think for me, the, that was really my first, memorable introduction to different animation styles within a show. 
-hmm. So for me, I was very much used to, you know, Powerpuff Girls, things like this, where all the animation is very consistent. What you see, you, you know, you don't really see anything that's drastically different that'll jar you away from the environment that you're in. Right. With Chowder, not only was there so much chaos <laughs> within, that's a great word for it. within the way the animation was handled, but how it was used to further build the show and give it a more textured environment, I think was the, the thing that stuck with me the most as a kid watching it. Well, I say relatively mm -hmm. as a kid, but growing up watching it was like, this is a show that reminded me of things like Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends or mm -hmm. different. And it's also why I gravitate so much towards Gumball because it's just, we'll get to Gumball later. I know <laughs> it's, it's just the, the use of, of that chaos in a way that makes everything feel natural, I guess that's, it's a weird way to put it, but using the chaos to guide and to utilize it in a way that feels natural to the show. Yeah. Um, like that one episode uh, that you had, or I don't remember if you had mentioned it or not, where they ran out of the animation budget, right? And right. so it's like the whole animator, or the voice actors are sitting there having to do a car wash and stuff to raise <laughs> raise enough money for right. for the animation budget. It's just things like that that were just memorable as watching the show that I was like, this is new. This is something that I haven't seen or that hasn't stuck out to me in the way that other shows normally would. So yeah, that was pretty much the main, the main grab for me, especially hearing your split from cartoons of, mm -hmm. you know, once you got to that point, you just kind of, like you said, went to, to movies and things like that. That is the first thing I noticed about uh, Chowder was the animation. Mm -hmm. And then furthermore, I noticed an evolution of that ev of that animation in Gumball. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, those are perfect shows to like start with this one and then go to this one. Because the way Chowder does it, chaos is the perfect word for it. Like you go from this 2D kind of hand-drawn look, but but then they do the weird things of like randomly a puppet will just pop on screen. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? And then it like goes to the credits and all the characters are puppets. You're like what is going on? Or like a hand comes in and you're like, it's just chaos. But at the same time, it fits the chaos of the stories that are going on. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I described to you what I early on, what I loved about Chowder's writing was that, it was a like the writers got in a room and basically said, hey, I have an idea for a problem Chowder can come across. So he works in a restaurant. Someone comes in to place an order. Chowder, Chowder ate all the ingredients that they need to make that meal. What is every possible thing that can go wrong in the next like 15 to 20 minutes to tell this story and keep escalating the problem? And it's just a writer's room of like, 
uh, what if they go to the bank to get money, but then there's a line at the bank and then they don't have their wallet. And then, oh, what if someone robs the bank while they're doing it? What if the person robbing the bank gets sick? What if like, and it's just like piles on and on and on. And it just becomes like, how chaotic can this episode get? But at the same time, you never really feel overwhelmed. You're just like, cause they handle one problem at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that problem solves new problem. That problem solves a new problem. Uh, so like it moves pretty quickly. Uh, but I found that like really, really interesting. And that's what kept me coming back to it. The setting's fun. The characters are fun. The voice acting is, is good. Um, that's why I stayed with it and watched the whole series through now going to Steven universe. I'll talk about this one first and then I'm curious about why you recommended this one. Chowder just, it is such a different show Mm -hmm. that I was like, I was intrigued by what you would say first. So Steven universe, first of all, the opening theme song banger is a, a, Oh, a (laughs) hundred percent. Like it is so good. Like I never skip that intro once I skip chowder's intro every time, all the time, (laughs) every time, all the time, every time. (laughs) But Steven universe is, is, such a good song. Oh yeah. Um, and it's it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's really short, but like all the voices, except for Stevens, are just beautiful singing voices. You know, oh, Stevens yeah. just got his normal talking voice and whatnot. That felt more like a cartoon that I remember from my childhood. The animation is cleaner, it's smoother, mm-hmm. but like almost right off the bat, by the end of episode one, I was sitting there going, I can't wait for Steven to get his powers. Like it pulled me in so fast to those characters. I, I have not finished it. I've been, mm-hmm. I, but when I got the, the taste of it, I was enjoying it. I was like, you know what? I can tell I'm going to just watch this whole show through. I should go look at some of the others to see, because while I watched all of chowder, it didn't like grab me in the same way. Yeah, I watched it cause I enjoyed it. And like, it was fun to see the writers play with it. And every episode had at least one joke that made me just crack up out loud. Um, mm-hmm. But Steven Universe was like legitimately really good character-driven stories that surprised me. So wh- why why did you recommend that one after Chowder? Because I don't feel like there's a, a connection between those two. Yes. Yeah, so the list itself was very, I think, tailored to you specifically, or from what I know about you or what I right. think I know about you anyway, <laughs> is I think that the you kind of need the the break. So if you're watching Chowder, you're going to need that kind of break of, I need something that's going to engage and I'm going to have to care about these characters to a deeper level than mm-hmm. just what's going to happen, you know, in the next 15 minutes and right. see what goes from there. With Steven Universe, I saw that as kind of like a lot of people do. It's a very emotional journey going through this show. So... I, it was a tie, honestly, between Steven Universe and Adventure Time that I wanted to recommend. Yeah. Because for all intents and purposes, they take you on a very similar journey. So you are supposed to relate to, with Steven and grow in in the way that he does throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think knowing you and how, you know, with the book you're writing and things like this is that the way I see your mind working is that you like to try and kind of figure out where that next step is going before it kind of gets there. 
And with Steven Universe, what you're going to find is that where you think things are going, it's going to give you a sucker punch and you're just going to be kind of like, damn, that's, Mm -hmm. I didn't see that coming. And like a genuine sense of, I thought I knew how this was going to pan out because, you know, it's a kid's show. It's things like this don't necessarily happen in kids shows. It's very much a step in into a lot of more mature situations. So you're going to deal with death. You're going to deal with loss. You're going to deal with a lot of, you know, your feelings of betrayal, things like this, that these emotions and these experiences that kids experience, you know, Mm -hmm. that haven't been able to be, haven't been able to have been shown to them in a way that's relatable. Yeah. It's kind of why I like suggested Steven Universe is mainly because, especially with your split from cartoons, you didn't necessarily get a lot of those cartoons that take you on that journey. Right. So for you, you kind of just jumped headfirst into movies and adult mm-hmm. themes and things like that. But showing that cartoons kind of grew with us as we were growing up and not, you know, just kind of stayed in the kiddie realm and that right. there's elements of stories that you know in books that we would read as a kid like i know a childhood book that i loved to death was called perlu the bold about like a war rabbit and Mm -hmm. he lived in a tree all he wanted to do was essentially be a hermit but essentially a a cousin race of theirs that was always at war with them and so he called up to to fight but essentially these stories that you are able to read as a kid but being able to see them you know on TV and the same way you would see, you know, like comics and Marvel movies and stuff like that is it's that similar feeling of I'm not only feeling this myself that I get to experience this with other people that have seen this and have experienced these things and we can talk about them and, you know, go from there. So I think I, I recommended Steven universe. And like I said, it was a tie between adventure time and Steven universe, but I think Steven universe hits a bit harder um, it, you'll see why I don't want to necessarily spoil stuff, especially don't, since you're because so- everything you've said already, like you, when you're talking like, you know, you're going to deal with betrayal and death. It, it hit me and I went, Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> like, because I'm sitting there thinking about the characters and like, I want to say Steven doesn't even get a hint of his powers in the first two episodes. I don't think maybe at the end of the mm-hmm. second one, but like when, the, when the show started, I was like, okay, I know this show. I've seen this show many times. Mm-hmm. Kid wants powers. We just saw Miss Marvel. Spoilers for Miss Marvel. You know, <laughs> like likes heroes, surrounded by heroes, if you will. Yep. It feels like they're destined for more. End of episode one, we get a hint of powers, right? Mm-hmm. Steven Universe then did not do that. And I was like, huh. And then he's like hanging out in this house and he's living with a. Uh, Pearl, Amethyst, and Garnet, these three women who are superpowers and badasses and uh, like going off. And I was like, I know this story too. He lives with like, he's kind of like an orphan living in a house of other orphans and they all have power. Like it's X-Men, whatever, you mm-hmm. know, here we go. And then he goes to like his dad's like trailer house or like small house. And they're sitting outside. And I was like, no, <laughs> oh, and his dad doesn't have powers or maybe he does, but he, he He's so old, he doesn't do anything mm-hmm. with them. And I was like, oh no, this story's not the tropes that I'm used to. Oh yeah. And everyone around him is like so supportive and 
you know, it's like really a wholesome family unit, but at the same time, you know, the, you know, especially Amethyst just like plays pranks on him and jokes on all the time and rags mm-hmm. on him, but cares for him and doesn't want him to get hurt. And Garnet is just, a, she's just bad. Like she is. Oh, yeah. oh man. And then I, I realized later she's voiced by Estelle and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. okay. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that makes sense. But no, you nailed exactly why I was drawn to Steven universe. Like I'm so glad you recommended that to me over adventure time. Because Adventure Time, from an outside perspective, I've seen so much of it. Art, it's art. It's like Rick and Morty. I've seen so much of it mm-hmm. that I'm just like, I don't. It's art style is what's keeping me away. Yeah, everything is very whimsical in a way in Adventure yeah. Time. Like you know, the arms are like super long on some of the characters, or you know, the, I don't know. It's just the the art and Steve universe is very like kind of the, that uniformity you were talking about before. Mm-hmm which allows me to focus on the story. Oh yeah. And I definitely, I definitely do recommend, I, like, I know you said it's tough to watch. I do recommend adventure time. Um, if you're able to get past that animation, but I definitely think Steven universe won out for a lot of reasons that you'll, mm-hmm. you'll come to learn. Yeah. And I fully expect to have yet another conversation once you finish with it, because I think, honestly, I think you're going to love it. I was going to say, is it going to be like uh, The Last of Us Part 2 when I just finished this two years after it came out? And I was texting, I was like, dude, <laughs> dude, this story, man. Like, I'm a mess. <laughs> there, there, are some, there are some controversial t- sort of moments within yeah. the show, but not in, not in The Last of Us 2 type <laughs> controversies. But, okay, but yeah, like, definitely... Oh, I definitely think you're going to enjoy it. And, it was a, and I, I still like even weeks later, I still hold that was a masterpiece in storytelling. Oh, absolutely. Part two. Oh my, I'm so glad I like, I finished. I even went back and told some other friends who were like, yeah, I never, I never finished it. I was like, please dude, you've got to go back and finish this <laughs> just game. Do it. Like, I know it's hard, but like, you're just grieving. You're literally grieving. And that's the, the entire point. game. <laughs> You're going to keep grieving. I understand you're grieving an hour into this game. That's not stay with it, please. Like, oh my God. But like Steven Universe is giving me those. I'm real nervous now, dude. Like I want to go and watch this. (laughs) I'm so nervous. So next up, uh, regular show. Yes. Um, So why do you recommend a regular show? Was it regular show? Was that Chowder? Chowder, Steven Universe. Steven Universe, regular show. show. Regular show regular show is a me. is a cole ass show it, <laughs> i'm putting it out there right off the bat it is a i very... think it was definitely a selfish choice <laughs> I, I will give you that um i think for me regular show was it was a take on cartoons that felt very i try and want to say this delicately it felt very ethnic and i say that in a way that there's a lot of humor Mm -hmm. within the show that you wouldn't necessarily get if you haven't been around a lot of different cultures so i see i see what you're saying yes there's definitely things that you'll be able to identify in regular show that you're it won't hit you until you know next day or so that you're thinking about it and you're like wait a minute 
And then you got to go back and realize that you just caught, you know, an, a, a joke that isn't necessarily appropriate there. Right. That, you know, on second look, you're like, oh, OK. Or things that you would get from experiences that you've had, you know, in in certain areas. So, you know, lunchroom type food deals, you know, things right. like that, like small little subtle things that I think having a lot of these experiences as, you know, latchkey kids and things like that, or kids also, that have just been. Uh, do all the episodes take place at the school or around the school? Uh, relatively. It, There's a lot of, yeah. a lot of, uh, I feel like the first the two I, area I, I, changes. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like the first few that I watched were all like school adjacent or in the school. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense too. Oh man, you're going to make me go back to a regular show because you said that. It's, it's very, like I said, it was selfish for me. I liked regular show because I was introduced to regular show late. So after regular show, had came out it was one of those shows where you hear about it but you know if you're not really watching cartoons like that anymore because it was at that prime time where people started to kind of grow out of cartoons as it were so kind of how you took that journey early yeah um that was about the time where people kind of uh, away from it yeah yeah we got kind of you know high school and things like this we got to deal so i came back to regular show and it's just one of those shows that feels like, for lack of a better way to describe it, it's one of those cartoons that wants to hang on with you in your journey as you're growing up. So, like, when you're leaving, it wants to go with you. And yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think you're going to like it mainly because you'll see the kind of split that was happening there with the kids that grew up watching cartoons and by the end of the show you're kind of like okay we're we're kind of all grown up now it's a very fun it's it's got a finality to it that's just kind of like okay i think we're i think this is it you know we're ready to kind of (laughs) go and and move forward and i think that's why I, I kind of recommended it is because one selfishly, I, I mean, I enjoy it, but I think two seeing that there was kind of that definitive moment of cartoons for, you know, kids like me that watched cartoons growing up was that there was that finality that was just kind of like, we can end this in a way that is satisfying, but does it make you yearn for going back to the, you know, right. back to the good old days of, oh, I miss this or I miss this. It's like very much structured in a way that's like, we're moving on with you. It's okay. Let's let's go forward. I'm like completely revisiting everything I saw on the show in my head right now because it did not grab me early on. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't like, I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy it, but I watched the first episode and I was like, I get it. And I watched the second episode and I enjoyed it a little more and I was like, but I get it. You know, it was it was a show where when I when I started watching it, I first thought this feels like a higher budget, better done show that was on early adult swim style storytelling, where the cartoon characters don't talk like kid cartoon characters. They mm-hmm. talk like they're much older, because they are. They're like high school age. 
but even older than that, like it felt like I was watching the writers from home movies writing a show. Love that show. Right. I love that show too. But you know, the, you had little kids, but they're talking like adults. Right. Yeah. Um, in this one, it was like, okay, they're supposed to be older kids, but they're, I mean, they're animals, but they're the way they talk. It's like, clearly that both those voice actors are 47. Like, yeah. it's not, you know, like they're so much older and like, I, I understood where it was coming from. It kind of did the similar thing to chowder of we're going to have a thing set up at the very beginning. These characters are going, all the problems that come about are because the characters refuse to just do the thing. Mm-hmm. And it became a, a thing of how can they sabotage themselves over and over and over again, try to get around it and it just never works. And in the end, they should have just done the thing the whole time. Yep. Like that, that's kind of like the lesson of the first few episodes. It's um, like they give you the solution at the beginning, but everybody uh, yeah. just avoids it until the or, end. The one I enjoyed the most, I think I watched like four, but the one I enjoyed mm-hmm. the most was episode two. One of the first lines of the episode was like, okay, so we just need you to set up these chairs and then uh, for the event later. Thanks, man. And they're like, all right, so I guess we just set up these chairs. Nah, man, let's not set this up. Like, cause they throw one chair out and it like falls over. <laughs> like this can take forever. And so they just like go and start doing other things. Like, that's, it's funny. It's clever. I like, I like the joke that's there. Mm-hmm. And I also appreciate that it wasn't like a 30 minute episode of this. They were again, like 12 to 15 or something like that. So like, I didn't feel like the joke lingered for too long, but I don't know. It just didn't grab me. But now that you said, which I also found it funny that you, that you are the one in this conversation that says, I feel like I should be delicate when I say ethnic, when I'm sitting over here, like, I feel like I'm the one who should say I should be delicate. I'm pretty sure you're okay to say that. Hey, you <laughs> never know. Sure you never know. You're okay to say that. <laughs> I'd much rather be safe than sorry. <laughs> the white Mormon raised kid is the one who can't say that. <laughs> Hey, you know, sometimes, you know, you wake up one day and words change. So that's fair. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> I feel like if I led with, I, I don't know how to say this, but I felt like the show was a little more ethnic. You'd be like, dude, I'm done. Bye. It's like, wait a minute. Up. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't sign up for this. Uh, sorry. You're going to have to talk to someone else. <laughs> you need uh, to go find a new black friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't leave I can't be your plus Corey, one anymore. You? I need you, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, too funny. Geez. Oh, but yeah. Um, you talking about that, like it's been, it's been hitting me. I was like, yeah, yeah, I see that. Like a, a couple of the little jokes coming in, maybe it can grab me again. But part of it was also the animation style of that. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't quite grab me as much. Um, but dang, the way you described it makes me want to go back. Okay, I'm going to do that. That too, and a lot of a lot of the the stories are very complex yet two dimensional. So I'm gonna flesh that out here in a second. So <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, the way I mean that is, you know, you'll have scenarios kind of like you said, where it's like, hey, we just need you to put up the chairs and that's it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the things that may seem menial in those moments that they just, why don't you just do, you know, the thing. A lot of the reason that that works the way it does is because you learn that that's a lot of, like these characters have these personality traits that are so defined to them 
that you don't realize that you're getting that at the beginning yeah. until towards, you know, the middle and ends of the later seasons, or even towards the, you know, the end of the first season, you're like, no, this tracks with, you know, the way Mordecai would do something or the way Rigby would, you know, do things. And it's, it fleshes it out in a way that you don't feel that you're getting that information right. until you have to sit back and be like, no, he would do something like that. And then you're starting to empathize with the what the reason why he did it, even though it may not be a good thing or a bad thing, you know, yeah. it's a, you start getting the, it's like they sneak in personality throughout, you know, simple things. Yeah. Bring out these traits and different attitudes and things like that, that you'll be able to identify with things that, you know, happen in your life. So, Hey, I've got a best friend and then a new kid comes into town and all of a sudden, you know, my best friend is hanging out with them a lot. And now right. I'm like, wait a minute, that's my best friend. Right. Just simple things like that, that at first and surface level seem, you know, silly or menial or whatever. You start to get a better understanding of who these characters are and how they operate. By the time you get to the end, it's like, man, we've, we all grew up together. <laughs> like That's we're wild. all about to just, one you thing know, I noticed, on our own journeys. One thing I noticed in this little journey of kind of going through these shows, as you recommended, the shows that I watched, you know, growing up, your Powerpuff Girls, Kim Possible, Dexter's Laboratory, you know, like that, that age of cartoons mm-hmm. combined with what I used to watch on like VHS types tapes. Cause all my brothers are older that they recorded of cartoons from like eighties, right? Your Transformers, Thundercats, um, Dino Riders, whatever, like these, all these other cartoons. It's like the eighties and early nineties was all about selling action figures and toys. Mm -hmm. The late nineties and two thousands were the kids who like watched the shows about those were like, yeah, I get like toys are cool and all, but like, I feel like the episodes could be a little better. And like, so like the stories for each individual episode got better, but there weren't like huge story arcs, you know, throughout like entire series, unless we're talking about Samurai Jack. Um, but for the most part, it's just kind of small things with maybe one big story, but it's, it's, it's a single thing of like, they want to find their mother or something. And it's Mm -hmm. like randomly, they'll just throw in bits about it. Um, I think Hey Arnold had a storyline like that. I'm sorry. I won't stay on Hey Arnold because I know you feel bad. We're moving on. Um, (laughs) but these I noticed, which is like the generation right after where I stopped, there's legitimate like character depth. Oh yeah. To them. And like the characters actually kind of change where with the other shows, it's not that there wasn't character depth and there was, but it wasn't episode to episode season to season growth. Like I feel like if I threw on a new episode of SpongeBob or the newest episode of SpongeBob, um, it would feel very much the same as what I was watching 15 years ago. Oh Yeah. Like I, there's not a character growth there. It's just this is the character. This is how they you fit. know them. You love them. You this love is them. It. They're just going to act the same way. Like the Simpsons. The Simpsons. Like the characters kind of act the same. Slight changes. You know, over the span of 35 years, you're going to yeah. make some changes. <laughs> but like, they're kind of the same. You know, like uh, with Ezra right now, the one show that he watches is Sesame Street. Because mm-hmm. when we picked a show that we were going to have him watch, we wanted to make sure there was over 50 seasons of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not watching the same seven episodes on. Right. Like, 
Oh, um, that's too funny. But like, if we watch an episode today and then watch an episode from 10 years ago, Elmo's the same. Big Bird's the same. Oscar's still a grouch. Cookie's the same. Yep. Like, they're the same character profiles always. Um, there may be like, you know, there's lessons learned in each one with slight growth in that episode. The next episode, they're the same guy. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, and so that's how I feel like most of the cartoons I grew up watching were like, but these, like Steven Universe, like I said, episode one, I was like, oh, they are going to take me on a journey here. Like I can feel <laughs> these characters and like I am in so much, but even like Chowder had it and Chowder, like you said, was a show of chaos, but mm-hmm. it had this, these characters and growth. Um, and you talking about the regular show. I just didn't give enough of a fair shake to really get to that point. I don't think. But I saw pieces of it where, mm-hmm. uh, like, I understood why Mordecai and Rigby were friends. Like, I get this oh, yeah. relationship. I know people who were like this who were friends. But at the same no. time, at the same time, Rigby just seems like he just wants to do the thing and get it over with. But he's a follower of Mordecai. Mm-hmm. Mordecai is much cooler, much more charismatic. And, like, he's like, okay, we'll just do what you want to do. You know, he's the instigator, if you will. Like, I was like, I know this friendship. Um, oh yeah. It's a, it's very real. Uh, like I get it. Um, and then I went to teen Titans and I immediately went, I now understand cartoons have changed a lot. The cleanness of the animations in those first three shows I watched compared to teen Titans and teen Titans actually animation wise is better than a lot of shows I watched growing up, you know, especially mm-hmm. like I said, home movies earlier. <laughs> Teen Titans is way better animated. Oh than yeah. That, you know, but it was still 10 years before these shows came out. Like there is a significant difference, maybe five years, whatever, uh, in the animation styles, the, the, the type of story they're telling the voice acting, especially. Oh yeah. The Teen Titans characters, like they start talking. I'm like, Oh, I do not miss this age of very high pit. Like every character has got to sound like a child. And like, you're trying to tell me that these are the teen Titans, probably like 16 to 18 going to clubs and whatnot. But at the Mm -hmm. same time talking in a super high falsetto for Robin. And you're like, what are we doing? Like this doesn't match, but that was the style of the time. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. I watched a few episodes of it and I was like, okay, I understand now why my friends love this show when I was younger. It wasn't doing enough for me to feel like I wanted to stay with it. Does that make sense? I think I might oh, yeah. do, do with it what I did with uh, Star Wars Clone Wars a few years ago was I fell in love with Star Wars Rebels, which is kind of like the sequel to Clone no, Wars. Yeah. And so I just pulled up a list of like, remove all the filler episodes. Like what are the must watch stories of Clone Wars? Yeah. And I watched those and had a great time with it because I missed all the junk. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to make an ask of, I want you to stick with Teen Titans. Okay. And I'll explain why. Okay. A lot of what you're going to be told is the filler only feels like filler because one, they've already seen it. And Mm. two, and, and I think, a big part of that is once you've seen it, it's kind of like whodunit movies for me. Once yeah. I've seen it, I don't want to go back and watch it again because I already know who done it. So <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. The the air of mystery is kind of gone. Yeah. So with a lot of the themes and experiences that you'll see between these characters, you'll realize that it's building to 
the bigger culminating picture of who these characters are. So kind of back to what you were saying about the high pitched, you know, nasally voices of I'm a teenager, stuff like this. A lot of that plays into who these characters are, because when you think about Robin trying to run a team, show that he's in charge enough that he can handle it. And he's got his gang of misfits, as it were, (laughs) you know, two two aliens a shapeshifter and a and a robot yeah. <laughs> you know we're kind of winging it um but i think a lot of what drew me to teen titans on obviously my love for the dc universe and that mm-hmm. whole aspect oh but i think seeing it from the perspective of outside of batman outside of these powerhouses of characters that you get in the dc universe that you'll see that these rogue galleries and these characters there are so many and that all of them have stories and the same way that you're you know seeing with you know steven universe and things like this teen titans was really one of the first shows to kind of hold and latch onto that and flesh out these characters still within that same time frame of we're meeting this character we're getting to understand their vices their things that make them tick and then they become recurring characters later on that go through those same you know moments of progression moments of hey we kind of relapse and we're doing the bad thing again but this is why So it's, to me, a lot of the, quote, filler of Teen Titans isn't necessarily filler. It's moments that you need to see. So whenever you see that final product of, wait a minute, this whole thing's going down. And this person who originally I met as, you know, punk, Mm -hmm. Gizmo down the street, you know, doing petty crime is now standing toe-to-toe with me against, hey, we've got a big threat that's bigger than all of us, and we need to work together, and we know how to work together rather than just working together for the sake of having to work together. Right. To me, just it was a way that they fleshed out the DC mythos with a whole bunch of characters that didn't feel overburdened. It didn't feel like you were getting repeat characters. Yeah. It didn't feel like... None of it felt like filler to me. Like the that's the biggest. I don't know. That was what kind of struck me with with how you how you're like I'm gonna pick out the filler. I was like to me, none there of it was no filler. filler. Interesting, because yeah, w- like thinking on it of the episodes I watched, none of it did feel like filler. Like if I look back, mm-hmm. I wouldn't call any of the episodes filler. Uh, but I just look at how long it went, and that makes me think like we're going to get there. Like they, you, you know, maybe they just had the, the first few like stories like lined up and they're just, they're nailing those. Um, but, I said that too. And you also have to think about, you know, this was still the beginning of the show. This was yeah. the first time that they had done something like this yeah. as far as that time period for animation. So a TV show for teens with somewhat more mature concepts and stuff yeah. was unheard of really for Cartoon Network at the time. So they were very much kind of tiptoeing into, you know, who they were at this point. Yeah, you're, you're going to make me go back to this, too. I have to, It's going to be after <laughs> I finish the other things that I'm on. 
but regular show Teen Titans, I'll give it another shot. I'll give them five more episodes and see see if they can they can pull me in where I feel like I can keep going. I think definitely if you can. I know it sounds terrible to say because I criticize a lot of people for saying the same, but if you <laughs> if you get to the end of the first season and don't want to watch more, yeah, I don't think. I don't necessarily think the show... Well, Teen Titans will definitely pull you in if you watch further. Regular show, I think a lot of the personality and things like that are pretty fleshed out by the end of season one, at least for the core characters. Yeah. Um, So I would still recommend it, but it might be... I don't know. Might be a little tough for you. Sometimes I, I, you know, all of my recommendations aren't hits. I, I can, I can accept that. I, um, I can accept it too. We all have our, we all have our, our weird, <laughs> our weird interests. <laughs> but definitely, um, I definitely think that sticking with them, you'll kind of at least be able to understand kind of where, yeah, and and why I recommended, you know, the way that I did. But yeah, definitely. I mean, again, just recommendations. No, no obligation to. <laughs> to feel feel that you have to okay now we need to talk about gumball okay all right are you, for this. are you ready for this i'm ready can can can, can we talk about gumball because if we could talk about gumball because this show this show it's something ain't it this show is so good <laughs> it is so good it's like they do a little bit of the cartoony voices but it's not mm-hmm. the classic high pitched, very annoying. It fits the character. They just feel younger and they feel a little more immature than the adults in the show, which is how it should be. And then in Gumball, it also has that animation shift that you were talking about where like randomly a character will walk in and they're a 3d model and they're animated in a very different way. The backgrounds oh, yeah. are like photorealistic. It somehow fits these really bold lined cartoon characters that they're in this world. And the effects they do to the world are like, you know, like they flood the house in an early episode and it's cartoon water, but it's kind of you know, that, this, yeah. the <laughs> real house. house. <laughs> yeah. And you're yep. like, I get it. Like, I understand what they're doing that animation style. I feel like they do it in such a clean way that I very quickly wasn't noticing it. It's not jarring, but the writing in it, like, the humor is spot on. The stories are so well-rounded, if you will. So mm-hmm. there's the episode where they just need to return a DVD. He goes to get the DVD and his younger brother has ruined it. Uh, and then you're like, yeah, of course he did. Cause he's a younger brother. Like that's, what's going to happen. Yep. He's wanting to do the thing. The younger brother ruins it. Okay. It makes sense. So then they're like, okay, how, how can we get around this? Do we, can we clean it? Can we uh, just go, you know, what's the fine? Can we get money to pay the fine? We don't want our mom to get mad at us, whatever. And like, they're going through all of it. In the end, the mom's just like, it's whatever. I'll pay the fine. It's like, it's fine. You should just be honest with me. She's like super supportive, things like that. Of course, things occur, you know, at random times where where she's like, no, like, understand. I'm mad, but I love you and I get it. And like, we're going to get through this. Don't be scared. And it's like these it's so good. Oh yeah. And gumball is by far kind of like how, when I pitched it to you originally, it's like, you're going to watch chowder first. Yeah. And then you're going to watch gumball and you're going to see the evolution. It's a, yeah. 
it's been perfected. It's and a perfect. I honestly don't think that you can do better than Gumball. I like it because it's the culmination of kind of the whole reason that I pitched these cartoons to you the way I did is because it's very much order in chaos. This time period of animation Mm -hmm. was so well constructed that they were able to keep the same engagement of cartoons when we were growing up that were 10, 15 minutes long, didn't necessarily need a whole story, Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Lab, small contained stuff to keep that same attention span and attention grabbing events and environments and construct them in a way that you can still have fleshed out characters, Mm -hmm. have stories that matter for the time being. Yeah. And then still keep people coming back day in, day out, day in, day out, whenever these, you know, episodes are coming. The reason that I like Gumball is because through all the wild and wacky shenanigans, it is still very much a story of how families should work together, showing that there's dysfunction in families, but they're still very much a family unit. Mm -hmm. And that they, the parents, for all of their faults, are still very good parents. They are. The dad who for all intents and purposes, is portrayed as the lazy, anxious, super, you know, non-confrontational person mm-hmm. is still very the classic much... classic trope of a father exactly. figure. Yeah. <laughs> is still very much the head of the household mm-hmm. and has that same respect commanded of him when he commands it. So it's, it's like each member of the family is shown and portrayed in a way that sure the same way you would riff on a sibling or something like that happens but that this unit is still strong Mm -hmm. independent of any outside you know force anything like that and it just for me it felt good to see that stability in all of the chaos yeah so no matter what happens i knew at the end of the day we're coming back home everybody's centered back at zero and you know we're just like wow that was a wacky day yeah <laughs> you know? what what i also really like is you know so many times i've mentioned the tropes of cartoons throughout you know my youth and whatnot mm-hmm. one of the tropes is always with any kid show because it's like the base bog standard lesson that you can put in any kid's movie, show, story, whatever, you see it in almost every single one, which is you're going to make a mistake. And at the end of it, hey, everything's okay. I forgive you. It's fine. This one ends with that most of the time, followed by you, but understand you really screwed up. Mm -hmm. Or like I said earlier, like, no, 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 I'm worse than that. Like, I am legitimately furious. But that doesn't mean I don't understand and I don't love you. I, 
like you just gotta you just need time like you know mm-hmm. we're go it, it ends with that like it's okay for a emotion to be there that lingers forgiveness yep. doesn't just mean oh i'm no longer mad like forgiveness is, is like hey I under I now understand the situation. I'm willing to get past the situation. I still want to be around you, but I do have feelings that I need to get through. And it's like that is such a better lesson and more realistic feeling of like, you know, how many times in your life have you been talking to someone and been like, "Look, I like I'm I forgive you. You apologize. I accept your apology. I forgive you." And then like you know something else happens. They're like, "You're still mad about things." Like, yeah, I'm still mad about it. It doesn't mean I've got like. I still have the emotional ties to everything that it's hard, harder to break that emotion from it. Oh yeah. But like, that doesn't mean you're wanting that emotion to affect the relationship. Like you, you're, oh, yeah. you it know, helps distinguish the emotion being valid from the action or reaction exactly. due to that emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, because kind of like you're saying, a lot of the trope is very much tied to the action. I am, forgiving you so i am treating you like nothing happened yeah it's like it never occurred where we were both forgetting mm -hmm. about it where forgiveness isn't forgetting it's oh yeah yeah Yeah. the show is very very good at that it's really good and like i said i'm only a few episodes into it and i've already picked up on it and i i don't feel like it has the emotional weight don't say anything because i feel like if you say it does (laughs) it's gonna break my heart i i don't feel like it has the emotional weight at least early on as steven universe does in this one, I see the unit and I feel like there's going to be some growth throughout and the level of problems that they interact with are probably going to grow. But the unit is so strong. It reminds me a lot of like the proud family, mm-hmm. right? Where the family unit is so strong at the end of the day, everything's going to be okay. We're going to hurt each other along the way, but we are a family and that means something here. And that's what I'm getting from this. Like I said, it's the animation style of like Chowder perfected. It is the family unit of Proud Family perfected. It is, you know, the episodic to episodic storytelling. Um, that reminds me of, I had another thought as you were talking, Ed, Ed, and Eddie mm-hmm. perfected. Um, it's like all these things combined in very short episodes and like snippets. And I feel like I'm always looking for something 10-ish minutes and I just want to put something on I think now I'm just going to go to Gumball like just pull up my phone perfect, and just throw it on I call it the ridiculousness of Cartoon Network Yeah, because it is essentially that that it's generally always on and it's entertaining it's something you can just put on watch and you will be entertained you won't feel mm-hmm. like like it's a labor watching it and I know you didn't want me to say this, but a, a running theme of all of the shows that I have recommended is that there uh, there are moments don't that do are very <laughs> don't do it to me. You already heavy. know I'm a crier. Don't don't do this to me. I, <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. See, Chowder, Chowder had a few of those moments, but because I was never like super. I never got super attached to any of the characters. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I really liked them. I, my favorite was the, uh, the assistant chef, um, who, blah, 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 who talked like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was by far my favorite, but I never had like an emotional tie. So when like big things happened, I was like, man, this is good. This is better storytelling than what was happening in the very beginning. I didn't think we'd get to this point, but I didn't mm-hmm. feel like an emotional, like 
you know, heaviness to it. Um, so that's why it was the start of the list. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. So for me, the reason selfishly that I also chose these shows is because it it shows that even with cartoons and things that are meant for kids, that it introduces very real, very real and meaningful, deep feelings that for a lot of kids, and I know for me specifically, you didn't really have those conversations and explore those mm -hmm. feelings or events or situations growing up. You just kind of had to try and manage them on your own and whatever way you kind of figured out how. And I like that the way these shows handle a lot of these situations and emotional moments and events are realistically first and foremost, that not everyone is going to handle a situation the same way. Right. Not everyone is going to handle a situation the right way, mm -hmm. but it allows that growth of all of the characters involved to get to that end goal of being able to understand why the reaction was the way it was, how, if, you know, someone had a negative reaction or had a bad reaction or did something bad in reaction to something that it comes full circle at the end with that character. And you go on that journey with them of mm -hmm. redemption or, you know, for as much as I hate redemption arcs, a lot of these characters and these shows go on a redemption arc that is different than I see in movies and yeah. things like that because you have the time and space to actually flesh out that redemption rather than just saying, Hey, in the next episode or in the next couple episodes, they're good now because, you know, they thought really hard about what they did. Right. <laughs> you, know, you go with them into the journey of I'm in this dark place. I have to be in this dark place for a little bit. And I may do some things that are not great, mm -hmm. you know, while I'm in this dark place, and then show the ramifications of that, but then also show the characters working and earning that redemption rather than just it being handed to them. Right. So a lot of these shows have these, you know, deep cuts that are like, you yeah, won't expect it because you'll just be kind of rolling along with the character like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute. Dude, Dang. for the last hour, I've been panicked about Steven's dad. Like... <laughs> Like, I'm so, I, I love that man. Like, he's barely in any of the episodes. He's just, the, like, from F, the first appearance, I was just, this is such a loving, just father who just wants the best for his kid and is clearly struggling on his own, and it does not matter when his kid's around. That's all that matters. I was like, I, that's all I want. I want the best for this man. And then you came in here and was like, yeah, you know, as the show goes on, there's a lot of like betrayal and heartbreak. And I'm like, no, no, what's going to happen. Um, yeah. That's, that's something that I, I've in this little like journey of the last like six months now, seven months when we talked back in December, um, you know, I've been watching it periodically. That's a thing I noticed about these cartoons. And I kind of had that real, that same realization of that era of cartoons that we watched didn't have that mm -hmm. but when i was a kid i felt myself drawn 
to the media that did have that. Like I went to movies because it had that. I went to anime because let's be real, anime has been doing it much longer with the emotion and the depth. Quite some time longer. Quite some time longer. Well, now all the kids who grew up in the nineties and the two (laughs) thousands on Yu Yu Hakusho, Dragon Ball Z, Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, you know, like all these shows are now making cartoons. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting seeing that this medium has become something so much more. And these aren't even recent cartoons. Mm -hmm. And so I've actually started thinking as I've been going through this, when I see shows that are cartoons pop up, which normally I would kind of avoid, I'm considering them now. You're not going to like this comparison. (laughs) It's like when, (laughs) probably maybe four or five years ago, Rachel and I were visiting my brother and his family in Florida. And we walk, we've been out like, paddle boarding or something we come back in and they're sitting on the couch watching thor ragnarok they've never seen any marvel movies nobody in the family is Mm -hmm. and my brother's wife turns around and was like this is really good i didn't know superhero movies were like this like because you know it's super funny and kind of off the wall and really bright and colorful and she was like this is not what I expect. It was just like on TBS or something. And they just sat down to watch it. Superheroes are not what they were in the late nineties and early two thousands anymore. Like moved on from that. Like they're yes, we still have some of the tropes that we're dealing with and not all of them are good and whatever, like, but to just write off an entire genre as what you're imagining they were 20 years ago it really hurts you. And I was like, Oh, I'm doing this with cartoons. <laughs> like I yeah. did this with cartoons and I'm seeing it now. Like there's a lot of good here, a lot of good. And I think for all of the hesitancy I have with the Marvel universe yeah. everywhere <laughs> is it's still enjoyable. It like is. I critique a lot because I enjoy mm-hmm. these characters. I enjoy the universe. Yeah. I enjoy all of the aspects of what makes these characters, these characters. And I think a lot of people now are starting to, well, I say starting, but throughout this journey of, you know, superhero movies being these big blockbuster, you know, blowouts. Yeah is that they're understanding that comics and superheroes and things like that aren't relegated to just kids' corners and, you know, dweeb, pimply-faced teens that are, you know, at comic book stores, that all of these stories are accessible and they tell stories that have meaning, have depth, have this, you know grander ideals of what it is to be not only uh you know a superhero or whatever but also a person mm-hmm. things that make you you know fundamentally good and i think you know sure some some stories land better than others yeah of course but but overall the work that's been done and been put in to this medium and all of these mediums, especially cartoons, is 
it's making it accessible to everyone, no matter what stage of life they're in. And a lot of that wasn't available when we were kids. Right. And seeing that now makes me feel good because one, it means I get to watch cartoons. Right. <laughs> and and two, it's also a way to, you know, for me, it's a way to connect with my younger siblings and things like that. It's a it's a bridge that otherwise wouldn't be there mm-hmm. had I not been able to you know, experience this and yeah. see these shows and things like that. So I think overall, just the the way that the medium has grown, I think I'm glad that you're going on this journey to see that it's not as set in stone as, you know, you might have thought it was when you left the, the Yeah, realm. And, I mean, it, and you brought up a really good point when you're describing like the stereotypical like comic book reader and whatnot. It's like, yeah, that was the stereotype of like the eighties and before, you mm-hmm. know, like of who likes comic books. It's, it's a kid's thing, you know, like it's not. And honestly, the comic books, most of them that were written back then were that way. They were directed at kids. They're bright and colorful, trying to sell each individual issue. There are some mm-hmm. story arcs that go through others, but for the most part, like they're for kids, like any of them. Then in the two thousands, you get things like, Walking Dead, comic book. I Zombie, comic book. Comic books aren't just superheroes anymore. Like I've got a stack right here of uh, like seven uh, volumes of Chew, which is a detective mm-hmm. novel. Like <laughs> you know. Uh, oh yeah, so- that's the one that you recommended where he eats the food to figure out the Every- the murders. Or something yeah, so like that. everything he eats, he sees their entire history. So if he eats like a strawberry, he sees like it getting picked, then back to like where where it grew where it started as a seat, like it sees its whole life. So like the government finds out and is like, Oh great. We found this murder body. So you need to eat the finger so that you see it's life to figure out how it, how they were killed or died in the end and whatnot. Um, it's just so different and unique, but there are so many stories like that, that you just don't realize are that medium. And I think people are realizing that now, um, like hell miss Marvel. Can we talk about the show? Because you and I haven't had a chance to talk about oh, the show yet. I, I love it. I The <laughs> first episode, I was super hesitant. I was like, okay, you know, this is just going to be another. I definitely thought you would like this show more than I would. Yeah. Just from that first episode, I was like, it's another show about kids and doing. I just like, I, I didn't get the Stranger Things hype. I'm not going to get this hype, you know. Yeah. And this show has blown my mind i love everything about it. what's wild to me is it has the worst superhero storyline tropes oh yeah the the superhero part of the show i don't even care it could be utter garbage and it's pretty close and i do not care the character development the community the family the friends every episode i'm just like i just want to hug every single one of you y'all are the greatest little group of people and i understand every person's perspective that and it doesn't play hard into the typical tropes that you think it would like bruno's story arc like you wouldn't like to me and you we're like damn poor bruno exactly it's like it was like see episode six she's gonna kiss him i know where this is going 
Right. And then it just completely, you know, just subverts that expectation. And it still shows that even with these feelings or these situations, you can still move forward in a way that isn't problematic or isn't a burden. And everyone can still get along, enjoy each other's company and and, and it just doesn't, it doesn't live. turn into a love triangle or yes. square or whatever. And it's just like, this is, it's real. Like when you were in high school, it's like, how many people did you have a crush on? And like, nothing ever came of it, but it didn't change your friendship. Mm-hmm. Like, and they may have never noticed or they didn't and just ignore it. It's like, it doesn't matter because they're still your friend and you want the best for them. And it's like, it's so like, oh man, I love that show. Yeah, it was really, really good. And I, for all the crap that I do give Marvel, it this show made me kind of like I was saying earlier, you know, and, and Discord was like, I wish that there was a show like this for me as a kid that the same way that watching Miss Marvel did for you know, that, that tight knit community, because you could see as much as I'm not very familiar with the culture that you could see how important family was. You can see how important religion was, and you could see how that affected every aspect of the choices that these characters made, the choices that, you know, what you do or don't say or how you react in front of your parents, how you, you know, what secrets you may keep, what things you may tell your parents and seeing generations of a family unit working together, albeit may not be the most cohesively, but still staying together, understanding that family is important and having these role models and and people in your lives is just, oh yeah, it was amazing. I love it. And to add to that, you said, like, showing how important religion is, you know, to, like, her story. More importantly, showing the positivity of how Islam can impact her life in a good way. I I was listening to, um, uh, I follow Kind of Funny, um, and they were doing a podcast about it, and they brought on um, uh, a Muslim, who I believe he writes for IGN, but um, he he was talking about the episode with the wedding where they're the whole, uh, like everyone there is screaming Allahu Akbar in celebration in a positive way. And he was like, I legitimately cannot tell you a time in media in my entire life where that phrase wasn't followed by a terrorist shooting an RPG. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but that's not what that phrase is. It's, it's a phrase of love and celebration and like, He's like, to see that meant so much because it is positive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's, it can have, yes, every religion can have a positive and negative impact, but it like to actually finally see it. It was like you said, episode one, you're like, Ryan's going to love this show because <laughs> you know, oh, my yeah. history of teaching and like the types of students I've taught. And like, so often I start teaching, start watching a show and Rachel and I will look at each other and be like, I've taught this kid. Like, I know this kid. I know all these kids. Mm-hmm. Like, episode one where Kamala's walking into school and the gym coach walks by and goes, hey, uh, 
Kalimi or whatever, mm-hmm. like just completely butchers her name. I was like, no, <laughs> no, because one, I know the teachers that do that because they don't try. Mm-hmm. Also, I was that teacher, not because I didn't try. I had a student um, my first year, like 70% of my students were Asian. Mm-hmm. I had to learn very quickly how to start pronouncing certain sounds, mm-hmm. you know, like the way the English, for example, in Chinese, like you see a lot of ZH, that's not a Z sound or an H sound. It's actually like a ring J sound. Mm-hmm. So it's not Zhang, it's Zhang um, is how it's pronounced. And so like I had to learn all these things. Well, that first year I was struggling because it was all of them, right? Yeah. Like here's 120 names you've never seen <laughs> before like, in your life. Or you have, but you've never had to actually pronounce them to the people who are those names. So I'm trying to learn them as best I can. I'm already awful at names. And I had a student and I tried a couple of times that first day and she went, that's it. You got it. And I said it back to her and she's like, that's it. Eight months later, she's, she's sick one day and her friend, her best friend is like, Mr. Woods, you know, her name's pronounced this mm-hmm. way. You've been saying it this other way. Like, but she told me that's how you said it. She's it's because she gets really embarrassed and she just finds it easier just to say, you've got it right and move on. And, and then from that moment on the next day, I, I talked to her and I was like, so she told me I was saying your name wrong. Have I been saying it wrong? She goes, yeah. And I was like, I feel awful. Like, I wish the next day you would have corrected mm-hmm. me again. Like, because I, I was legitimately trying that first day. I just couldn't make my mouth yeah. make those sounds. I think in the show they're supposed they're they're trying to point the finger at a lot of teachers just don't yeah. care and they don't take the time to learn they just choose one um, and I think that's how they mended it and it landed that way but it also hit me in a different way with that story I was like oh oh like I still feel so bad about oh, yeah. it like, and then on the it's been, it's been six years <laughs> and then on the other side of that is you know showing that you know she's able to build that confidence within herself to to make that correction and be like, actually uh, you've been saying my name wrong, you know, the whole time. Yes. And that's a big thing too, because uh, I mean, it was only episode two Mm -hmm. where she had the confidence, but like, cause she had the, you know, like we talked about earlier, she had the powers in the first, at the end of the first episode, she gets a little more confidence from, but yeah, that, that is a, that is a huge moment. And it's hard for uh, a lot of students to do. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be the, thing that helps me with my hesitation that I have with Captain Marvel. <laughs> because mm-hmm. And I get that. I think I, so too. It's not that I just don't get what makes Captain Marvel Captain Marvel, I guess if that makes it. So for me, mm-hmm. it's not yeah. a, you know, a Brie Larson thing or or whatever. It's just I don't see the necessary motivations for for her character yet. And I think that's mm-hmm. only because they haven't really like she's had a movie, but not in the way that a Thor has had a movie or an Iron Man has had a movie. Um, and I mean, Hulk is pretty much in the same boat, too. The only reason, you know, he's where he's at is because he's been in enough other people's movies that you know, <laughs> Right. We kind of understand his his motives and kind of how he acts as, as who he is. But I think the the this the way they're going about it with the Marvels, 
is going to help further kind of develop all of these characters. And I think being able to develop together in that way is much easier than developing in, say, another solo movie where you're just trying mm-hmm. to find another big bad or something to, to kind of... 100% agree. So with all of the talk we've been doing, if you could add another show, cartoon, to this that you think uh, would fit me or something that you just really, really enjoyed, what, what would that be? I'm going to go with really enjoyed and it's going to be final space. Um, pretty sure. I think it's on HBO. If I remember correctly, let me. Okay. This is like the, like chowder all over again, where I'm like, I've never even heard of this. I just Googled it and saw the cast and I'm in. Oh yeah. 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 It's definitely a uh, what star study cast. Yeah, I don't even recognize this. I've never seen this before. The best way to describe it is essentially... Okay, well, first and foremost, it got canceled. So Right. I, that was one of the first up. things that came up when I started typing the show. It was like, canceled. Right. I stumbled upon this show. I forget where I was. I was in a hotel. I, was, I think it was when I went to Austin to go get Thundercloud. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and I was in the hotel and I was just flicking through and I just happened to stumble upon it and I watched it and it was the best way to describe it. It was like a, the humor moments or the type of humor of like gumball and chowder, but not as sketch comedy or cutaway type, but more just that humor in general but in a very well-structured space sci-fi serial. So it's a very connected story. It's not episodic. It's wild. Like it's, I'm really sad that it's been canceled, but from what I've seen so far, it's, it's really, really good. That would be my recommendation. I'm going to write that on my board up here and I'll, I'll add that to the list um, of the, of what to watch next. Okay. Well, um, thanks for, for, for joining me, I'm sure we're probably going to talk multiple times more in the future because I feel like you and me just talk forever. <laughs> talk for an hour about anything. Yeah. I, I, I had the thought, I was like, if we just had like a, we just picked any subject, it was so hard to think of subject to talk to you about. And we were just like, let's just give our top like three or top five of like anything yeah. that we could and like have an hour to two hour long conversation. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm all about it. Thank you again. And, of course, um, of course. I'm glad you're, you know, finally making this journey and uh, I'm glad to have been a part of it. <laughs> <laughs>